Cameo Radio. Welcome to another episode of Cameo Radio. This is episode 19, Security and Emergency Services, RCMP Corruption. I'm here in the studio today with Danny Honeywine. Hi. We're pretty stoked to bring you this controversial episode. We've got some really great interviews, and we're going to be going into some fascinating topics. Mm-hmm. So there's been some really interesting developments. Where, Danny? In the legislature. So there was a special committee on reforming the Police Act, and they were inviting British Columbians to share their views and ideas on public safety and policing. We missed the boat on that one, but the interesting thing that came up was that we collected a lot of interviews from people. We got to hear a lot of stories from people Mm -hmm. about what's going on and solutions that are coming from a grassroots level. Mm -hmm. Now, although we couldn't give this stuff to the special committee, that special committee came to its findings and they said, we want to create a provincial police force. Right. And they pointed it to the local level. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that in the formation of that, people need to be heard. They need to be aware that this is happening in mm-hmm. British Columbia. Mm-hmm. They need to be aware of the formation of the potential formation of a provincial police. Yeah. Like the Ontario provincial police. Mm-hmm. And look at really successful models that exist in their own community in terms of responding to emergencies. Right. And how we respond to emergencies. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of systemic issues going on, and just throwing more things into it might not be the solution. Mm -hmm. This is one of the 18 development sectors. It is, in fact. Security and emergency services. Mm -hmm. Search and rescue. Missing persons. That's right. Rescues, difficult rescues. Mental health. And then mental health. Mental health is a big one. Yep. And, And protecting the vulnerable people. Yep. And that doesn't just mean... That you're an old person no. or you're a woman. No. That's just people across the board. Mm-hmm. We can't identify things with blanket statements. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hear some really interesting stories in this episode. Hopefully at the end, the solutions will be pretty obvious. Pretty from, self-evident. From the calls. It was a pretty united set of solutions that were presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and not overly complicated no not really. complicated very very simple but how to apply those <laughs> at a local level Oh, very difficult yes Just, and that's yeah. something that's up to the local level yes. to figure out yes. that's not a solution that's coming from ottawa or from victoria or from some other jurisdiction mm-hmm. it's for your town from your town by your town or bust yeah or you're not gonna have it you're not gonna have it well we'll or have you're some not, other thing. you're not gonna like what you you're have you're not liking like what you have yeah no people need to take the responsibility for it and they need to know how to do that so Mm -hmm. that's the tricky part yeah that is the tricky part here we're gonna showcase Mm -hmm. a bunch of interviews and stories from people from our local collective who were willing to step forward and i'm also going to tell some stories that people gave me a few people wanted to remain anonymous of course yeah um some of them are a little bit long some of them are a bit short but we're gonna give that to you now so thanks for tuning in and getting tuned (laughs) on cameo radio enjoy It was 2008. I was arrested for a break and enter that I didn't commit. And um, I was sent to Edmonton remand after spending five days in city cells. And I spent, I don't know how many days in Edmonton remand. And then I was sent to Fort Saskatchewan, uh, 
prison or remand, whatever it is. And I spent a couple of weeks there as well before I was able to post $10,000 bail, which also cost me $5,000 for the lawyer. So at this point, I was already $15,000 into it. Um, I lost my job over it. Uh, the radio station played my name every 15 minutes saying that I was charged, I was charged, I was charged. So then, you know, because of that, pretty much impossible to get a job if you were the one who, you know, allegedly ripped off this Nordic Center. Um, yeah, so then my court trial was set for September of uh, 2009, and I was looking at uh, 8 to 15 years. So I said to hell with that, and I moved to Vernon. And then from Vernon, I moved back to 100 Mile, and I got a job. Um, at the mine in camp and that went good for about eight months and then I got pulled over and I had a Canada-wide warrant apparently. So they took me back to Alberta and I went back to the two same jails and I ended up getting out on another $20,000 bail and another $10,000 to a lawyer. So you can do the math there. And so then I lived in Hinton but I couldn't get a job anywheres, so I, you know, I'd done what I had to do and whatever. But I had conditions of, um, you know, keep the peace and, you know, be home at eight o'clock at night, and I'd report to the cop shop every Friday, um, in person to sign my name to make sure I was there. And then I went to Queen's Bench because my lawyer felt that uh, there was no evidence. So I went to Queen's Bench, and Crown said that. 110% we have more than enough evidence to go to trial. So my conditions went on and my conditions went on and you know I had to be home at 8. Sometimes I missed that so I got a couple of breaches and every time I breached because you know I'm a man I'm not a 8 year old kid who should have to be home at 8 um, I had to pay more money like another $5,000 bail, and then another $10,000 bail, and then a $25,000 bail. And each time that happened, I had to pay my lawyer, you know, like another $5,000. So at the end of the day, um, it was, uh, what year would it have been? 2014 now. They've been running through the system until we finally get to go to trial. Um, I had my wife with me. She was pregnant. And... Um, yeah, the day before trial, I get a phone call from my lawyer saying that my charges have been stayed because they don't have enough evidence to go to trial because the only thing that they did have to arrest me in the first place was they went into my youth record, which was supposed to be erased once you're 18. I had one uh, previous charge from when I was younger. So they went into my youth files. They went through every youth file they could find and, and went through it and found a fingerprint that allegedly matched mine, which is illegal to do on their part. But yes, um, 2014 it was, so that's X amount of years later. Finally, they don't have enough evidence to go to trial after they fucked me around for that many years and cost me around $100,000. I was arrested. I was guilty until I could prove myself innocent and I was fucked around by the system right up until the end of the day when the system 
didn't have enough evidence to take me to court and all my charges got dropped and I was never reimbursed. It was never put on the radio that my charges had been dropped. It was never anything. And to this point that makes, uh, I don't, I don't trust the RCMP, not even a little bit. As soon as I see them, I get anxiety. As far as I'm concerned, they don't help people's lives. They might help some people, but they didn't help mine. And all they did was make it bad. And now I don't like them. They're untrustworthy. They're crooked. As long as they can pin something on somebody, they consider that a win. They don't care who the somebody is. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about that. So $100,000 in costs based on a youth file fingerprint Mm -hmm. to say that he allegedly ripped off a Nordic center. Mm -hmm. How many fingerprints do you think you'd find in a Nordic center if you went looking? Yeah, I I just find it so interesting. He was innocent until, like, he was innocent, but he was guilty until proven innocent, which actually is, you can't prove innocence. You can't prove your innocence. No. It's impossible. It's an impossible task. You have to prove guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Right? Unequivocally. this, This went on for years and years. This presumption of being guilty. Right. So he's on bail conditions. It's costing him money. Mm-hmm. There's an exorbitant amount of money going into that process. Mm-hmm. And like he said, and we mentioned earlier, mental health is a very important part of this. So mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like it was a proactive step at all. No. Towards somebody's mental health. No, of course not. No. And there's yeah. been so many. That's just one story. But there mm-hmm. have been so many mm-hmm. versions of this story. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh I think we've got an interview from him as well. He talks about some recommendations. Yeah, this is the follow-up. Through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say, for a better policing way, I remember being little, and the cops were, you know, people's dads. They were men. Six foot plus, 185 pounds plus. They had mustaches. They were men. Um, I was arrested by a woman... And a pock-faced fucking kid, more or less. They weren't fucking men. They shouldn't have been police officers. And as sad as it is to say, most women, not to be sexist, are um, are on a power trip when they are a police officer because a man now has to listen to him. They can bully that man. They can tell him what to do. Um, whether he's done nothing wrong... Or he has. But um, I think it should go back to the way it was when it used to be able to, if you were going to be a police officer, there was a certain... You didn't just pass the police test and become a police officer. I've seen RCMP vehicles that have an N on them. That means that's a new driver in there. He's not even old enough to have a fucking driver's license yet. And you're going to tell me that they're a professional driver and they can tell me how to drive and they can tell me what to do when you're, you know, 20 years younger than I am, you still have acne, you're just fresh out of fucking high school, and you pass the RCMP Academy, so, you know, you really only got to be, like, 19 years old, you, you still don't even have a full driver's license. You're five foot three and 125 pounds, you can barely pack the vest around, but, oh, here's a gun, and go tell everybody what to do. And another thing that I think they should look at is... uh bullying records was this person bullied in school it's all on record now who was bullied they filled out bully forms you know who who was he in school 
was he a a good guy in school or was he the nerd that was bullied the whole time because if you were bullied for a percentage of your life and then all of a sudden you get this authority to do what you want almost um I don't think that that should uh be a good thing you know what I mean um per se if I was bullied my whole life through school and then I decide I'm gonna be a cop because then I'm gonna have authority and no one's gonna bully me anymore that gives you that thought in your head that now I get to tell people what to do and then you're maybe not so reasonable about um you know to serve and protect sort of thing you're more of a um you know fuck you listen to me because you have to now because I'm not getting bullied anymore. I'm the one with the gun, and I'm the one that makes the rules. And I have actually heard that quote-unquote come out of an officer's mouth before, that I make the rules, and you have no say, and this is what we're doing, and, you know. So I think the bullying thing is one big thing. And I do believe that RCMP should be men, burly men, nice men, people's dads, not people's sons. Um, you know, if, if I get arrested by somebody that I know that I could grab and smash to the ground, that causes a lot of conflict right there. And I think that causes a lot of the taserings and the shootings and the beatings that people get, opposed to if someone shows up who's six foot four and he's got a mustache and he's like, look, man, this is happening and you got to come with me. And I'm like, fuck, okay, I don't need you kicking my ass. <laughs> know what I mean? This reminds me of something that we heard a little while ago, Danny, mm-hmm. about RCMP being hired on the merit of their character, mm-hmm. right? They would do scouting. They would go to hockey games. They would find people that had really good social presence, mm-hmm. right? That just commanded a little bit of authority because people respected them. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what he's getting at here. I think that's what, yeah, the point that he's trying to make is that it's a respectability of character issue. Absolutely. And if you have a respectability of character and trust in your community, so like, you know, you live in the community, yes. you're not transferred every two years right. to just run away and go do something different and hide out somewhere else to grow your career. I think that changes the face of, of that organization or of that way the whole relationship that it has to a community yeah. at that point so and then, to the individual to that point then there's no they're never going to pull a gun they're never going to pull a taser they're yeah. never going to do any of that well and then some of that seems like it comes from the issue of like you said bullying and we've got another clip here mm-hmm. that I think we should listen to about what happens when you grow up in a small town, right? Without that, you know, issue of people being transferred every two years, we have a local RCMP officer who's become our station commander mm-hmm. here in 100 Mile House. And it sounds like he had some issues back in high school that may have led to somebody else's current problems. Right. So let, let's listen to that one here, too. I just uh, read the newspaper. Sven Nielsen apparently grew up in Hunter Mall. It means I would have kicked the shit out of him playing rugby. He seems I've been playing rugby since I was, you know, in grade eight. Seems he's only two years older than me. He would have known me in school. Being in the junior, when I first played in grade eight, uh, Tom Turner told me uh, because I was big enough to kick the shit out of his guys up at the Ogden. Then they sent me to the uh, BC Summer Games in Port Alberni. With uh, Big Guts and Eric, uh, what's his name? Eric Brown and all that shit, doesn't matter. But yeah, 
if he's the, he's the same, well, a couple of years older than me. I was just, yeah, I just read that in the paper. The fellow that I had that call with has had nothing but problems with the RCMP. Oh, from identity fraud, overlooking identity oh, fraud. They just don't help him. No, they go the opposite, uh, as far as I can tell in that story. Absolutely. So currently, he's not allowed in 100 Mile House. Mm-hmm. It's another example of really stringent bail conditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things about that fella is he has built so much of 100 Mile House. He did concrete work. Right. Yeah. And uh, and sounds like he was an athlete back in the day, yeah. you know, and so he some of this, maybe some of this conflict that he didn't even know about might come from that, right? We don't know. We don't know. We really we don't can't. Know. Don't know. So that plays into some of the first bit about mm-hmm. the bullying mm-hmm. that has gone on yeah, and what that might have led people into in their career. Mm-hmm. So, and currently Sven Nielsen, our station commander, is being transferred out of town. And that's going to leave a little bit of a vacuum. I'm curious to see who the RCMP might put in as the new station commander. There's currently only, what, one other sergeant? I think they were talking about transferring in another one. Mm-hmm. Well, there would have to be. There has to be two. There has to be two. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And what was the, what was the other thing that uh, came up we were going to talk about? Oh, well, I think in reference, referencing back to the first, um, the first call there and talking about solutions you've actually seen some of those solutions not just talk but in action and so i have a story from a friend um that speaks to sort of a a functional a, a potential function of community policing so the example was there was a fella having a major episode on the edge of a building and of course you know the the Police response was there. They were there with their guns, pointing at him, yelling at him, get down from there, you know, we're going to get, come down. And don't like, jump or don't we're going to shoot we're going to shoot, right? And, like, this is, this is don't not Don't kill effective. yourself or we'll kill you. This is, like, not effective. No. And um, a woman on the force, so just to balance out the perspective here, because not all women cops are bad. And right? not all guy cops and are bad. Not, not all cops, cops are bad. So, but just to balance that out, she came into the situation, got up on the building with the guy, de-escalated it, got him to agree to come down and have a conversation in the back of the car. Now, where it failed was her team then swarmed in and attacked to arrest the guy, broke her leg... In the process. Broke her leg. Completely. And she was with the police. She was with them. She's part of that right. team. Yeah. They they bowled her over, broke her leg, arrested him, threw him up, took him away. And then when she went to then resolve that conflict of the fact that she had been completely wiped by her team, mm-hmm. her quote team, mm-hmm. they um, denied her claims and to the point where she ended up filing larger suits and had to and had to had fight to take to court. and take it to court and, like, was awarded massive damages for discrimination right. because of what they had done, because her team didn't have her back. Right. And in the meantime, you know, maybe she found some kind of remedy later through court, but mm. in the current situation, it ruined her it life. It didn't help the guy. Didn't help the guy at all. It didn't help her. Didn't address his it didn't, mental health issues. No, it didn't work. It didn't work. The, the, so, the, so then you take that idea right somebody's going in to de-escalate it Mm -hmm. that's the hope you need to have a team supporting you in that and so you recently described to me a situation where that happened Mm -hmm. oh yes there was actually an issue that arose out on a a rural road Mm -hmm. 
It was a local thing. People didn't want to phone the RCMP. I was fortunate enough to actually be there, and I got to watch what happened. Mm -hmm. There was no trauma-informed practice or procedure or anything. It was up to the people, and it was very, very organic. People went in there and de-escalated the situation. Similar story. There was a woman involved. They, They... processed conflict resolution they found out that it was based on a miscommunication there were potentials for it to escalate very rapidly but it didn't and and the reason why it didn't based on what you've told me about that story mm-hmm. is her team was behind her like they literally had a perimeter they literally had a group of Yes. You know, strong people yes. that could deal with it if it did escalate. Right. So the process was de-escalation, mm-hmm. right, with a container. If this escalates, it's not going to. It's we're gonna, not going we're to We're going to stop it. Yes. And, and then conflict and resolved, miscommunication. It was inevitably found to be a miscommunication. Yep. It could have resulted in a very bad situation. There were people present who had the propendency to make it a worse situation, but they weren't even pushed to remove themselves or anything. It all just became very apparent. And one of the reasons that that happened the way that it did was that nobody wanted the RCMP involved because if they showed up, they would have taken an hour and a half to get there. Things would have been out of control by then and the RCMP would have made it worse. And the issue currently is resolved and it is over. Yeah. If the RCMP had been involved, it wouldn't have been over. Nope. Then there would have been more people with, you know, ex- just strenuous bail conditions. There would have been people having to put up huge amounts of money. There would Guilty have been until proven per- innocent. And nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. There, exactly. there, was, there was no crime. It was simple social conflict resolution. Yep. But sometimes, if left unchecked, that can turn into big problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you say, somebody standing on the edge of a building ready to jump exactly. or whatever. Or whatever. Or whatever. Wherever that goes. It to some t- crisis. It, it could have turned into, into crisis. Somebody drinking and yep. then driving somewhere and ended up in a whole other incident mm-hmm. that we they don't even know where that started. Yep. So that's a really good example, Danny, of local conflict resolution and local policing. Yeah. And, and, and it brings that full circle to men and women working together. Absolutely. In conjunction, in harmony, to resolve the situation. Right. And that's what it was. None of these people in that situation were trained. Mm-hmm. It was simply that some of the women just came together and had more of an orientation around the relationships. So they processed conflict resolution there. Mm-hmm. The men went and secured some of the stuff that was involved in the dispute. Right. There was some things involved in that. And mm-hmm. men have more of an orientation around stuff and things. Typically. Typically, yep. you know. Yep. And somehow I think that's that's wired into us. Mm-hmm. And so if we fall into traumas, like our trauma of being bullied and we want to go and seek power, mm-hmm. that's us falling in humanity. That's us falling into our trauma. Oh, yeah. And perpetuating those cycles. And I think that's currently what is we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. We're, we're seeing that system. It's stuck. We were talking about um, caterpillars and butterflies earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe we should jump into one more because we, we do have a woman that we got a little bit of an interview from. Mm-hmm. And... She's been working on this stuff for 20 years. 20 years, years yeah. So let, let's hear what she has to say real quick, and then we'll be right back. Yep. 
Ooh, I'd have so many with the RCMP, but to focus on emergency response teams that are not law enforcement based. Their primary response is not a policing response. And so you would use these most appropriately with any kind of non-criminal emergency response. Immediately comes to mind around mental health being like top priority. Um, The best alternative is not hospital-based social workers or anything like that. It really is very much community-level peer support and allied professionals. You know, you're talking about true crisis intervention, not even psychologists. That's like too far away from the real people. Also around domestic violence, around sexual assault. All of these are um, treated as police responses. The fact that they are, you know, potentially legal issues comes out further down the road, but really it's about a social response. And when you respond from a social perspective, then you leave all your options on the table about what you pursue. Um, So that would be um, a really big one. I would have said years ago, you know, trauma-informed practice and all that kind of, you know, big buzzwords, but it's bigger than that. Like this is, this is so much bigger. And, um, you know, of course, COVID has only highlighted uh, the erosion of the social safety net, which I know I myself have just been talking about for 20 years. So this is not a thing that happened overnight. Yeah. You know, I have lots to say about the RCMP. So that's another person that lives rurally in our community and has also experienced it in her real life. Oh, personal experiences. Personal experience. We've had a lot of very in-depth conversations mm-hmm. about what's going on. So to hear all of those stories mm-hmm. and then to hear it come full circle and then to hear this level of expertise drive at the exact same point. Right. And just had that incident out in that rural road mm-hmm. where we had that response, that, that community response. level response, you know, yep. and like she says, there could be legal issues that come up later, but if those issues are mitigated, they don't come up. Mm-hmm. There aren't legal problems, those costs and those bail conditions. And that doesn't All happen. That doesn't happen. And yeah. some of the issues And we also have another story, which I'm not going to tell, but we'll get right to the point of it. Yeah. RCMP gun pointing. Mm -hmm. Having rifles pointed at you is a traumatic experience. How could it not be? They're going to kill me. Yeah. What else is going to go through your head? That's why you have a gun. Yeah. If you're pointing pointing a gun at me. If you're pointing a gun at somebody, it's because you might pull the trigger. Well, you don't point a gun unless you're going to pull the trigger. Right. Like, what are you doing? There, there's no you just threaten, other. Right? Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't say you. You're not doing it. Yeah. But the, uh, the other. Yeah. So she makes really good points. And we've seen that in action. Yes. With really good results. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I think that we've got to drive into this whole situation is that the provincial government wanting to create a provincial police force to try to solve these problems is just more caterpillar. We yeah. need butterfly and we've seen butterfly. We exactly. know it works. Yeah. A lot of the, what we've read in the committee's report, it comes, 
it came out of Surrey. There was five MPs from Surrey sitting in there, and it was just it was it wasn't based for rural communities. No. So it's very clear when we read the report from the committee. So that process is closed now. Yeah. And the report from the committee is that this will be driven down to the municipal level. Right. Now, point our region where we live, one hundred mile house, Caribou Regional District. They don't really have a very functional aspect to them in terms of operations. They can we, barely look after a fire department. Or a cemetery. Or a cemetery. Or a sewer system. Or a water system. Right. How are they going to do policing? How are they going to do policing? How are they going to pay for it? They're not going to. No. They're going to try to work with the CRD and create something. The resources are going to be stretched so thin that it won't happen and then the other thing that will happen is we might get this, then we might see this provincial level police force come in. And that Good will God. be absolutely, disproportionate. We, we have a character that we believe. We don't want to see that happen. Has been created. It's like putting lipstick on a pig. Oh, they're literally putting lipsticks on the pigs. So if we get that, well, we're going to see lipstick literally on the piggies. Oh my God. And that's, we don't no, want we that. we don't want that. We can't clean that up. It's time no. for it to evolve. No. It's time for it to go into its next step, which is that community level system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we have come up with, in discussion with people, some really good solutions, mm-hmm. but it's not going to work in that contemporary model. You know, working with local uh, bands, mm-hmm. working with local governments, whether it's CRD or the municipality, you know, and the, the mayor can't sit on a committee, so it's going to be some council member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, currently in 100 Mile House, we don't even know where our mayor is. Oh. There's problems throughout the whole thing. The whole thing. And they just throw up their hands and say, we don't have the money. And that's... Every, to every single issue. So yeah. do you think it's going to be any different with policing? No. No, if they put the budget for local yeah. policing onto the municipality and try to use the contemporary model... It's gonna be a disaster. Disaster, and so when you we want talk, your property taxes to triple. Well, we talk about we were talking about this caterpillar thing. Yeah, I love the right? caterpillar thing. So in cat, what when we're talking about cat, what we mean is there's people inside the the that, and they it's not transforming anything. They're just adding more words and more buzz. Sounds nice. It sounds really nice. You read mm-hmm. the reports. It talks about local. You know, involvement in committees and boards, and that's all well and good. Yeah. Point of the matter. There is no economy to facilitate that process. You have to have a, an economy behind it to make it work. If there's no econ- economy, and I don't mean economics, like business. I mean, if there's no facilitation of that in a very real way, it's not going to happen. It'll just it'll just be more of what we have, which is failing. Right, and that's the reason they have this committee trying to reform the police act yeah. is because it's failing. Well, the federal level model is failing, mm-hmm. and so if we just download it to this municipal level, it's still going to fail because fundamentally and systemically, nothing is different. Yeah. The economy of it hasn't changed exactly. The economy of it is no good. They're trying to change the scale of the thing by yeah. putting it to the local level. So we we talk about this. You have this caterpillar reference, and yep. I was trying to figure out a bit. And but I've realized now what it is. It's a fundamental shift in our awareness of who we are mm-hmm. as people. Right. It kind of goes back to our episode, the battle within. The caterpillars are still slaves or whatever. They're still trapped. They're not. It hasn't made the change. The change and hasn't keep happened. Talking about it. What is keep, that chrysalis? What yeah. is that change? 
what is the butterfly? And it's not literal, right? No, metaphor, it's metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think that's what it's going into. Yeah. What is it going into? You know, that's going to have to go into this chrysalis and we hope that it people change because it's really to the people. Well, really, I think the big difference is at a, at a real life level. Mm-hmm. Who do I phone? Oh, exactly. Do I phone the RCMP? You know, if I want somebody to show up an hour and a half late, take some notes and never follow up. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call the police. Well, hey, let's put in this last, uh, the last... The last bit we have. Oh, I think it's the perfect the ab- to tie it all together. The absolute misuse yeah. of the RCMP because they're not supposed to be involved in civil issues, yeah. and that's something that I've experienced in my own life. Yeah. And you know, there's a multiplicity of people that are no longer with us, yeah, because of because the of misuse. These. Yeah. Of so let's RCMP jump into force. that one because it's just the perfect example to tie that all together. It really is. It's a yeah. good one. So we'll we'll play that and we'll be right back. Yeah, I guess I could tell that story real quick. Um, Yet at the beginning of COVID, our local store was being um, kind of douchey. And I wrote them a letter and I explained my position and I asked them to please respect my decisions. And the store owner calls the cops on me. So the next day, I get a phone call from the RCMP. And he says, oh, um, if you go back into this store, you're going to be arrested or um find or something like that. I don't know. He's like, it was like a threatening, threatening phone call, really, from my perspective. So, like, is that really the right way to approach something like that? I mean, somebody writes a letter to somebody else, and this person just, instead of, like, phoning me, I gave him my contacts. He calls the, calls the police on me. Okay, so that's great. Um, yeah, so the police, like, instead of trying to resolve the the conflict uh, instead just threatens to slap me with some kind of a consequence for my decision. Like, I'm not a child here, okay? Like, let's come to an agreement and, like, work work these things out. Like, it's not hard to do that, but, um, yeah, no, instead we got, like, tattletales and um, bullies. So anyways, like, at the end of the day... I wasn't hurt by it, but that's not the right approach. Like, there's got to be a better way. So what I'd like to see is RCMP working conflict resolution. And, you know, like was said in by other people, um, seeking advice on that kind of thing. Like, hey, instead of just, like, threatening me or bullying me or intimidating me or whatever, why don't you try and hear my side of the story? Why don't you like mediate between the two people to try and resolve the conflict instead of just like escalating it or not resolving it and just using like bullying threatening tactics anyways that's my two cents on that one that is such a good little story about how it's just not working well and And it's being misused the most simple no aggression no violence no criminality no reason for the police to be involved other than just snitch right like i want you to bully this person and they do and they 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 did they've literally been up my driveway just because somebody wants to give me a hard time Mm. so it's absurd so it can be misused if it can be misused, then it needs to be reimagined. It does. And so that's one of the fun things about the butterfly analogy. Mm-hmm. 
the caterpillar goes into a chrysalis and turns into a neutrogenic soup, and then the butterfly's imaginative cells form mm-hmm. a new creature. Yeah. So that's that's a fun one, and we do have to use our imaginations, mm-hmm. and it is up to the community. And one of the big things about this whole reform of the Police Act is that where is it in the news? You seen this anywhere? It's not in the paper. It's not on CBC. It's not on CTV or Global or any of these no, big no. news outlets. It's being covered up. It Yeah, it's just not. And if we need a community yeah. response. We need to know that. We need to know. Yeah. yeah. So you're welcome. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like, you're welcome. this is happening. Yeah. Yes. And the government's going ahead and doing it. One of the things that they've spoken about in this process is decolonization. Mm-hmm. So what are they doing? They're going to hand the power over to the local governments, which don't function, and over to band councils, mm-hmm. which basically just service the bands. Yeah, I mean, I find it fascinating that they use words like decolonization, mm-hmm. but then they don't actually look at what colonization is. And we actually, this morning, I was telling the story about the king from Belgium, Leopold II, in 1860, who wanted to be a colonizer like the rest of the kings and queens in Europe. And he took over um, a part of Africa now known as the Democratic Republic of Congo. Right. Right. What a horror story. And he created the free state. And it was, and he created, he told everybody in Europe that it was this philanthropic project. He was going to colonize it. There's nothing democratic about that state. There's nothing of that about it that's a republic. No. And no. it was terrible. If you look, it was probably one of the worst genocides in the history of the world. They used hands as, as a, a trading commodity. Trading commodity in that country. Yeah. And so if if we have these fancy things that use words like decolonization, mm-hmm. we have to understand what that means and realize that just by saying in a colonial system that we're going to do things in a decolonized way doesn't change anything. No. Nothing's changed. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. No. And so I, I just yeah. wanna I just wanna touch on two points, the committee recommendation, page seventy of the special committee on reforming the police act's findings, right? Mm-hmm. So they said they want to implement a new community safety and policing act to govern the provision of policing and public safety services based on values of decolonization, anti-racism, community, and accountability. This includes ensuring indigenous people and nations and municipal governments are engaged in drafting the legislation. Well, first of all, that whole system can't be doing this if they're talking about decolonization. No. Turn it over to the people. Let community models take over. Yep. We've seen successes in it. We're talking about it now. Yep. And we're going to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. This is the first of what's going to be an ongoing series. Because somebody needs to look at what's happening. We need to know and people need to know what's going on. The second point in this document, the transition to a new BC provincial police service that is governed by the new Community Safety and Policing Act. This includes establishing a governance model such as municipal or regional police boards or committees that is representative of the community and provides opportunities for local input on policing and public safety priorities. Again, they are now asking us through a committee to tell the caterpillar what to do. First of all, caterpillars can't speak butterfly. No. You got to take that next step. Yeah. They're asking us to recommend. The thing about it is, we're the ones that are going to say how this happens, and they're the ones that are going to say, this is what we're going to do to assist you. Yeah. Not, 
the other way around. It can't be. It can't be. It or we're going to get Uncle Grandma. Go to Uncle Grandma! Oh, my God! You want to see... Lipstick on pigs? Lipstick on pigs. We do have this character, Uncle Grandma. And it is just probably... I mean, just think about that. Uncle Grandma. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'll be coming up on another episode. <laughs> it is really something. So there were there were a few more points that came out in this section, the second part of this, right, establishing the governments. They're going to ensure municipal council representation, municipal police boards on committees, uh, not allowing the mayor to serve as a board chair. Well, it's fine because we don't even know where our mayor yeah, is. Yeah, fine in our region. In we don't even have house. a freaking mayor. So this doesn't function, right? Yeah. They want to amalgamate police services on a regional basis where there are opportunities to address fragmentation because they're dismantling the police force. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to ensure equitable access to policing and public safety and improve efficiency and effectiveness. You can't force this process. You can't make it more efficient. No. Nope. That's just silly. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Um Enabling two police of jurisdiction to facilitate the process. So as the RCMP go out, this new one comes in. But that's not really a shift. It's like creating another caterpillar out of a caterpillar. Oh, yeah. All, all that will, if, if it's left to our municipal mm-hmm. and our regional in our area, mm-hmm. all that will happen is they will give the same people a new uniform. And Pretty nothing much. changes. And nothing changes. Nothing and as changes. long as people remain uninformed about what's happening here, they won't have input. Because this is going to turn into, what did you say earlier, an electoral issue? Oh, the, if an this electoral issue? isn't an election 2022 issue mm-hmm. in our town, mm-hmm. move. Everybody move. You need to get out of here. Oh, yeah. Well, get one out. of the things, too, it, that if we don't establish a policing force, yeah. if we lose it and it goes up to Williams Lake or it goes to Kamloops, mm-hmm. we're not going to have police. And you know what happens at that point? Vigilante justice and gangs. Yeah. And one of the things that I know for sure is that in the community, in town, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. But in some of the rural areas, it's going to be a little easier. So I think that does lead me into one more little blip. We had somebody call in and we had a very simple point made about what they think that can do, how that can function. So we'll just we'll just roll that one real quick here and then we'll be right back. Well, tell you the truth, if they're going to take up the RCMP, you really think that what they're going to be putting in is going to be any better? I mean, my dad always did call the police the Gestapo's anyway. I mean, is it going to be more of the militia that's going in? As it is right now, I mean, the cops protect the the criminals more than they do the honest people anyway. They're going to replace it with anything. I think they should replace it with uh, the general population. Give everybody a gun and let God sort them out. <laughs> if you give everybody a gun, you're going to have a lot less crime rate. Because if everybody's packing a gun, nobody's going to want to try and bust into somebody's place or mug some little old lady because she's going to whip out something, you know, bigger than what you've got, you know, like a 45 or something like this here. And you'll be looking down the barrel of something else that you don't want to be looking at. So like community policing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. By the people. Yeah, by the people. Yeah. Either that or let the people deal with the crime. You know, I mean, if you have some, like, if see, say we had someone bust into our place here or come in here and steal something. 
-hmm. and we catch them red-handed. You know, we're either going to shoot, shovel, and shut up, you know, or we're going to take matters into our own hands, and, hey, you're going to get more than just a little slap on the wrist. You're going to lose your hand. You're going to be stealing from somebody. The laws of Hammurabi. So that's a very interesting concept. Just let them sort it out themselves. Give everybody a gun and just let people take care. And, you know, really, that might work. Mm -hmm. But that's also kind of a scary concept for a lot of people who still think, I'm going to phone the cops because they're going to help. You know what? Personally, I will never phone them for help ever again. I phoned them. I learned this when I was 17, I think. I had a birthday party. People came to my birthday Somebody took my bike. I knew who took my bike because somebody else told me who took my bike. Small town. Small town. Small birthday party. Small birthday party. I phoned the police. You're told when you're young. They help people. That's the, the policemen help that's people. That's the story, yeah. I phoned them. Nothing happened. I learned very quickly, very young, mm-hmm. that you don't phone the police to help you because they don't help you. They don't help you. So there you go. Well, I literally had the sergeant in town, Brad McKinnon, tell me. You're going to have to figure this out yourself, Cam, because people were threatening me. I've been in the paper. I had some serious problems come up because of it. Mm-hmm. And I turned to them at one point and just let them know that this was happening. And he literally told me, you're going to have to figure that out yourself. Yeah. So I'm not going to beat that door down ever. No. So who do you call when you have a problem? My friends. Exactly. I phone my friends mm-hmm. and I've seen problems solved. Yep. Without it, get, without it getting messy. Yeah. So conflict resolution is paramount. Getting into conflict resolution processes, having proper meetings, chairing stuff. And making, making some people minutes, aware, know. making other people aware and the community at large aware of the people who are causing the issues. Mm-hmm. This person is repeatedly calling the RCMP and abusing the system. Abusing the system. Abusing the process. This, this business owner is repeatedly refusing to engage in a civil issue and is calling the RCMP to Absolutely. engage in something that is not their business. It's not their business. This person is a, is literally a rat. Yeah, literally a rat. And also, we, we've seen it where we believe that there's people in town who are RCMP or something, and they cause problems. Yeah. They're agitators. Agitators. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. It yeah. makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So this has been another episode of Cameo Radio. This is definitely a new renaissance, and this is a news bulletin to mm-hmm. everybody out there that this is happening. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming, Danny. You betcha. We're going to be putting up some more of these because we have a ton more interviews. Yep. And there's just no time like the present to get them out. Mm-hmm. So this is what we've got for you for now. There's going to be a link at the bottom of this. It'll lead you to a blog post where we have a whole bunch more information that you can follow to find out for yourself how you can be involved, what these issues can mean to you, and what you can do in your local community. If you don't want to meet... Uncle Grandma. Oh, man. And no that's, lipstick no, on the pig. Don't put lipstick on the pig. No, none of that. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining us. This has been episode 19, Security and Emergency Services, RCMP Corruption. What is the future of this province going to look like, and what could it look like where you are in the world? Mm-hmm. And it will look different in every single community. Absolutely. And if it doesn't, then it's not right. <laughs> We have, we've had enough homogeneous systems across the board. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming, Danny. You're welcome.